Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. He kōnai ipurangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. When they ask you where you're really from, tell them. Tell them you are an unrequited pilgrim. Two parallel lives that never touch. A whisper or a window to what your country could be. If only it opened its arms and took you whole. The idea of being targeted is very much something in, in Māori history. What's it all about? Is it about, is it, is it about the brown skin? You know, we are all vulnerable. That's the scary part of it all. The idea of Aotearoa being a safe place and that completely being destroyed. In it's a good thing that I was born Muslim and I'm proud to be a Muslim and also a Māori as well. The Guest House, Episode 3, Bargaining. Good, very good. Want to follow through? What does it mean to belong? I thought a lot about this question after the attacks in Christchurch. It was an itch at the back of my throat that I couldn't scratch, taunting me. Did I still have a place in New Zealand after all of this? I felt numb, detached from my surroundings, and the country that for 22 years was home. And then, this happened. First time that I cried after Christchurch happened was about a week afterwards and I was in Christchurch and I was trying to document a lot of the stuff, especially, I mean, I, I was going there to see to see the different haka that were happening, but also the, especially when the high school showed up, like the ones that you mentioned, the school kids that were showing up and I suddenly found myself surrounded by them uh, with the mosque behind me and then before I knew it, I was, I was bawling. Like I was, there was, there were tears streaming down my my face, and I was, I was, com- I couldn't, couldn't stop it. I couldn't control it, and I was still filming on my camera. And there was, a, there was many of the students you hear singing were from Kashmir High School, where two of the victims, Sayed Milne, year ten, and Hamza Mustafa, year twelve, had attended. Both were inside the mosque. Both were killed. It was this sense of a catharsis that I hadn't been allowed to feel, I hadn't been able to feel, because I just spent the last week just feeling numb and not really knowing how to let something out. And that moment gave me a, a an outlet. The idea of expressing and expression and to show one's, That's um, one's grief and, and to feel it 
through action is, is quite common and really important. He's a high school teacher from Auckland. Specifically in Māori culture... Um, he's not Muslim, but he's Māori. And he spent the last few years digging into his roots, teaching himself te reo. Now he teaches it to young Māori kids. The idea of um, crying and wailing is is a normative process. It's an, it's an important thing that if you haven't done that, you haven't done it properly, you know, and you, you aren't finished or, or you aren't processing the grief effectively. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of phrases and, and one of them is, is like, ki roto i te tangi ka maringi ai ngā toto me te hupe. It means to, you know, inside of a, a tangi, you, you let your, your tears flow um, and your snot, you, the hupe. You have to ugly cry. Yeah, you got to ugly. There needs to be some ugly cry. And I think people were trying to find a way to release some of that pain because no one in Aotearoa had figured out how to deal with that. Mm. But it was important, I think, particularly for Māori, was one, to come alongside the Muslim community, but two, also trying to figure out what do we do in this situation because it was so bad. You know, um, the idea of Aotearoa being a safe place and that completely being destroyed and broken like a, like a mirror or, or, or fractured like a, like a window and the pieces people were trying to pick up. And it was, it was very much a Māori problem and, a, and a, a problem of Aotearoa as a whole. One of the questions, I guess, that is left hanging in, in my mind and in a lot of other people's minds after an event like this, is that you reflect on where, as an immigrant, mm. as a Muslim, as, as somebody that maybe wasn't born in a country like this, where do you fit in to mm. the national identity? Mm. And I wanted to ask you, as, as a Maori, where do you fit in in the country? How do you see that for yourself? When I think of how I fit in Aotearoa, I, I think of my mother and my father, my, my mum's Māori and my dad's Pākehā. Sometimes I try and imagine myself as a, a, a whakarite or a, um, or a metaphor for, for elements of Aotearoa. Um, this treaty or this, this agreement between Māori and Pākehā, my language and my culture, and trying to figure out how to make those two things work together. So I think... That's how I think of myself and that, that very much explains how I understand Aotearoa as being mine. Um, and it's, it's, it's my responsibility and my, my role in Aotearoa to be a kaitiaki and a, and a tangata no te whenua, like a person that is from the land. The concept of kaitiaki in Māori tradition, as far as I understand it, roughly translates to guardianship. It's the idea of indigenousness as a responsibility over the land. A need to watch over, to protect your home, and by extension, the people living in it. I saw this play out firsthand that week. We are here because love is greater than hate. I saw it in the eyes of many groups who came to mourn, to sing, to pray, to perform the haka. Clips of the haka at the Christchurch mosques were going viral. People outside of New Zealand had never seen it being performed outside of All Blacks games. 
that it could be a tool to mourn, to show pain, unity. Every day, different school, a different Maori group would be outside the mosques. The Christchurch chapters of the mongrel mob and black power, gangs with historic and violent rivalries, held a truce and came together to grieve with the Muslim community. Other chapters took guard outside mosques to make worshippers feel safe. We've had black power, mongrel mob, hell's angels, tribesmen, king cobras all come out in support of the victims of this crime. That's never happened in New Zealand before. It's also important to be here for their brothers and sisters, and that's the way we should be, supporting when we need to support. And yes, I know, gangs are a sensitive topic right now. There's been a number of shootings lately, and the opposition is going into election year with a promise to crack down on them. There's some really bad buggers in New Zealand. I'm just telling you what I saw that week. Broken-hearted communities that were coming together to show solidarity and love. First of all, I'm also really glad you said gangs, because I really don't want that to be erased from the, the narrative, and particularly gangs having predominantly large amounts of Māori people in it from disaffected backgrounds that go through the state. These people first and foremost decided to try and reach out. We're not just talking about gang members, but also many Māori understood the depth or the gravity of, of hurt that was potentially unfolding in, in Aotearoa, New Zealand at that particular period of time. If you ask a lot of Muslims about the experience of being Muslim in this current climate, they'll talk to you about racism about being othered, misrepresented by the media, and feeling like your identity isn't always welcome as part of how the country sees itself. When I say a lot of these things out loud, doesn't it kind of sound like I'm talking about the Maori experience? The two-sided or the, the two-faced nature of New Zealand, the country, the company, the nation, and its interaction with Maori people, culture... Um, te reo me ona tikanga has, has been one of very much ostracism and otherization and colonization and, and exclusion. So the idea of misrepresentation and Māori being characterized and demonized and turned into caricatures and, um, and in some situations to become minstrels. I mean, there's whole TV shows which kind of just exist to demonize Maori people like Police 107 didn't really help our nation. The majority of crime is fueled by alcohol. Why don't you go arrest the yeah, no, no. as a mother with a dangerously aggressive This is the state of your children. Police are increasingly finding themselves in the line of fire. I mean, my grandfather went to a native school and was taught how to use his hands because apparently that's all Māori were good at. They didn't have higher intellectual abilities. They were limited in terms of their, their cognitive function. All of these crazy ideas that, that have required over time Māori to rebut and, um, and overcome. And the idea of misrepresentation is very much the history of Aotearoa. When I think about the idea of assimilation, of fitting into a dominant narrative, it sometimes feels like finding your place in a social hierarchy. And no one wants to be at the bottom. I've seen the worst stereotypes of Māori being perpetuated by immigrants. I've been guilty of it myself in the past. And I've been learning to grow. 
there's situations of uh, in history where Maori and, and the first Asian immigrants that came to New Zealand were pitted against one another purely because of racist and racialized fears. And I wonder if, at a deeper level, we're children in a playground trying to fit in, thinking that if we go along with the bullying, the name-calling, the othering, that we'll be safe from the worst of it. But it never works that way. And I hope that that's maybe what comes out of this, is that like, that people build a, a, a hapuri, a, a community that's interactive and, and open and listens and pays attention because it allows opportunities for each member of that community to mutually grow. I think that's maybe the, the thing that we need. We need a community. We need people working with one another. We need opportunities to reflect on who we are and who others are. You need difference to be able to do that. So I think, yeah. What I saw in those days after March 15 was a glimpse into a New Zealand that we could build together. A house that all of us feel kaitiaki over. A shared responsibility. A persistent sense of community. Family. It's an image we often believe ourselves to be, but many times fall short of. But yet I think it's one I still truly Believing. The guest house was made thanks to RNZ and Middle East Eye. It's produced and presented by me, Muhammad Hassan. My executive producer is Tim Watkin. My audio engineer is Rangi Poek. Thank you to Rewa Worley for lending his voice to this episode. And thank you for listening. If it moved you, please subscribe, leave a comment, share it with a loved one. Whakaotua te kino e te pai. Whakaotua te riri e te aroha. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.